Welcome back to the 10 Blocks Podcast. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining me on today's show is Steve Malanga. Steve's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and the senior editor of City Journal. He writes about urban economies, business communities, public policy, and much else. And his work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, LA Times, New York Post, and many other publications. He's the author of several books, including Shakedown, The Continuing Conspiracy Against the American Taxpayer. Today, though, we're going to discuss his story, The Tax Nexus Cometh, which appears in our spring issue and details the complex and inefficient tax system that online retailers and businesses are now contending with. So, Steve, thanks, as always, for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, So businesses have been urging Congress to craft new laws that would define states' proper application of sales and business taxes uh, to the online economy, the rise of the digital economy, you know, in which firms and customers and employees are frequently residing in different jurisdictions, has magnified the need for a simplified way of dealing with um, this kind of uh, economic exchange. Yet in its, as you document, in its 2018 South Dakota versus Wayfair decision, uh, the Supreme Court overturned the doctrine that states may only tax firms physically present in their geography, which opens online retailers and other businesses to demands from states across the country. So I wonder if you could briefly describe you know, the, the Wayfair decision and what kind of problems it's creating um, with regard to taxes and and firms uh, that operate, um, you know, in a digital space. Yeah. So the wafer decision was specifically about sales taxes because there had been previous Supreme Court decisions that had prohibited uh, catalog retailers, for instance, and then later online retailers from collecting sales tax for states when they didn't have a physical presence in that state merely because they sold merchandise to someone living in that state. Um, the, the notion was that there had to be some physical presence or connection. Now, that, that in, could include something like, let's say, a warehouse. So Amazon, which has warehouses in many states, even before the Wayfair decision, was paying, uh, passing through sales taxes to uh, states because they had physical presence there. What the states argued... And what the Supreme Court said in its decision not only overturned this doctrine of physical presence for sales tax, but has created chaos, basically, because uh, the, the new doctrine is being used for other kinds of taxes, too. And here's what I mean. Rather than the physical presence um, uh, uh, qualification, now what there's what's called economic nexus. What nexus means is... You know that's the, um, the that, that's the connection that allows a state to tax a company that's out of state. And the nexus used to be physical presence, meaning that the company had some operations at least in the state. The new nexus is called an economic nexus, and what that means is the Supreme Court basically said uh, that if a um, if a, a, a retailer, an online retailer from far away does a certain amount of business in a state, and the South Dakota law specifically said either $100,000 of sales to in-state residents or 200 transactions to in-state residents, if a state does a certain amount of business, that's called an economic nexus. 
And what the Supreme Court says is that you have to demonstrate a substantial nexus. Although the Cal, I'm sorry, the South Dakota law, which said you could, uh, 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 the retailers had to start paying sales taxes to the uh, to the state after just 200 transactions didn't really seem very substantial. But so what they did, the Supreme Court, was they essentially threw away the old idea of physical presence or some physical connection for this, this rather vague term called economic nexus. And in doing so in a, in a, um, in a way that applied to just one state and one state law, what they didn't do, which Congress or a legislature would do, would be they didn't set out parameters that could apply to every state. So basically, by just overturning the old physical presence uh, uh, idea of nexus, they invited states to create all these new laws so that they could tax uh, out-of-state businesses, really, however they please, because there's nothing really to stop them except going back to the Supreme Court or getting Congress to pass some national law, which clarifies how this should work. Now, you, you cite several business owners in the piece who attest to the kind of immense strain of this new post-Wayfair tax regime. So m- many of these these uh, business business people fear that, you know, absent the reform you just suggested, uh, interstate taxation will become ever more onerous. And, you know, some firms have even uh, announced plans to shut down, as as you, you detail. So I, I wonder if you could describe a little bit more what sorts of compliance costs remote selling firms occur as they are grappling with, you know, myriad tax codes in multiple states. Right. So first of all, in the decision authored by uh, former Justice Kennedy, he essentially said that there was now the technology through software to easily allow compliance. And he urged states to band together. Uh, and some states did did that and they created a, a buyer approved, a state approved software. Um, but it hasn't worked anywhere near as well as the uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, uh, said in his uh, in, in his decision that it might work. Uh, not surprising. He's not a, he's not a tech expert, uh, and as a result, there's there have been a tremendous amount of headaches. I quote several businesses talking about you know buying the software, which costs several hundred thousand dollars, which for a small business is a big um, a big cost, and then compliance costs in terms of uh, hours, employee hours, uh, uh, costing another hundred thousand dollars or so. Uh, in the last several years. So you're talking about half a million dollars some businesses are talking about. These are relatively small businesses. And then in addition to that, the software not only hasn't worked well, but uh, the uh, retailers have actually been held um, accountable for the mistakes that the state-approved software that they're using makes so that many of them are not only being hit with a back taxes, but also fines for using essentially the software that doesn't work that the states create. So it's really, um, the, the, the costs are extremely high. Um, uh, and um, in addition to that, a report by the Government Accountability Office said that the, the tax regime that's emerged is economically inefficient because of that. Now, what does that mean, economically inefficient? 
Uh, tax is economically inefficient when it starts changing your economy, when it forces businesses to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. And once you start doing that, you're sort of undermining your own economy just for the sake of raising uh, revenues. And in this case, the, the, the Government Accountability Office, which is a, a Washington, D.C., nonpartisan you know, group attached to Congress, they, they you know, uh, found examples of states getting out, uh, I mean, of uh, retailers getting out of certain businesses, uh, changing their business practices, not doing business in certain states, and all of those things they said are not desirable for a tax regime. That should that is not what a tax regime should do. But that is one of the consequences of what hap- is what's happening now. Now, the the underlying principle of Wayfair is that states have the right to charge anyone who participates in their economies, and as you. As you document, that's inspired states to uh, assess all of these new levies. Uh, but several states are, are also using the standards for determining firm sales tax eligibility um, to impose income taxes, registration fees, and, and, other, and other fees, right, on online sellers. And some are even considering uh, a digital advertising tax. So, uh, you know, I, what, what does this... Ten for online commerce. Well, I think that's probably one of the most troubling things for some of the businesses I quoted, including some who have testified before Congress. They're now being hit with all kinds of taxes because basically what the ruling did again is went by in overturning this notion of a physical nexus for a, a vaguer term, a, a vaguer kind of economic excess, nexus. They essentially um, uh, said to states. Uh, well, you know, there are states have said, well, why can't we also use this, for instance, to, ta- to uh, uh, tax the income and the profits of, uh, of biz- out-of-state businesses? Because, it, again, if the, if the idea of a physical presence, the reason, the reason that, that not only certain laws like the interstate income tax law of uh, 1959, and uh, the reason that these laws originally focused on physical presence was this idea that... If you're not in a state, you're not using the state services, you're not using their roads, um, you're not using their police protection, and therefore you don't, you shouldn't be paying taxes to them because you're not getting any services. That whole idea has essentially been overthrown by the Wayfair decision. Instead, now what the Wayfair decision says is if you are making use of uh, money generated in a state, in a state's economy, well, the state is responsible for that economy, and you have to pay for the privilege of accessing that. That's a very different concept. And so now states are applying that, not just to the idea of sales tax, but but to income taxes or business registration taxes. Like ta- Texas, for instance, doesn't have an income tax, but in order to do business, you have to pay a, ba- a state like franchise tax, which is like a registration fee. Well, now anybody who wants to even sell to somebody in Texas, they have to pay this this registration fee, which, which could be several thousand dollars, depending on the firm. So, uh, so businesses are now being hit by all kinds of different taxes. And again, when you think of the fact that you have 50 states, you know, and with the online in the online world, you can sell to everybody. I mean, some businesses are essentially. Uh, saying we just can't afford to sell to the most aggressive to people in the most aggressive states anymore because it's too expensive just to um, administer this whole this whole regime. Right, the compliance costs alone must be significant if you're if you're needing to deal with differing tax codes in in you know fifty different jurisdictions, right? Well, again, to take one of the examples I talked about. 
Uh, one firm, which which used that faulty software, they got uh, they had to uh, re-file uh, and redo. 300, I think, in 25 tax returns. Think about that. Multiple years in multiple jurisdictions because you have not just states, but also many counties and cities have their own taxes. So they have had to refile. You know, you know when you have to update because, because you've made a mistake on your taxes, they had to refile like 325 different uh, uh, tax returns in, in, in different jurisdictions. So that's what businesses are facing right now. Now, you, you, you do propose... Uh, um reforms in this essay, you write that Congress's response to the Wayfair ruling should be twofold. First, it should devise guidelines for a national remote sales tax system. And second, uh, that it it really needs to provide a federal definition for this notion of uh, economic nexus, um, you know, the standard again for determining whether a person or business is subject to taxes in a particular jurisdiction. So what, you know, what key provisions would an effective tax regime include? And is Congress even considering such legislation at this point? Um, you know, what challenges does Congress face in interpreting economic nexus for the digital age? Well, in fairness to the Supreme Court, they have been calling for Congress to clear this up for years. And Congress has never seen this as, as being urgent. And there are um, there have been crafted over the years a number of pieces of legislation focusing on income taxes. There is a law, the 1959 law, but that again is completely outdated because it doesn't it doesn't even it doesn't deal with this online world that we're talking about. And that was the law that really uh, cemented the idea that income taxes states can only charge income taxes to um, uh, businesses that have some kind of physical presence. So there are a series of laws. There are two things that are necessary for the state. Uh, for state sales tax, there has, there can't be just one um, uh, uh, one standard for every state because states are all different sizes of economies. And the problem with the Wayfair decision, it was it was about South Dakota, and it basically said you can do this in your state at this level, you know, the two hundred transactions and or a hundred thousand dollars in sales. And again, in in a state like California. With 37 million people, that's like a, a pin drop, right? So, so there has to be some kind of national parameters that would apply, um, uh, 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 it's, that tell states what's reasonable. In addition, um, there ha- the, the, the laws uh, uh, that, that have been proposed say things like, you know, uh, 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 retailers cannot be held accountable for flaws in government approved software, which would see, you know, like, it's like, you know, you buy something that's bad and the, and the, and the, the people who sold it to you basically charge you anyway and charge you penalties. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. So, uh, um, and, and then there are also uh, questions about how this plays out in the, in the world of telecommuting, which we haven't talked about, but, but the whole remote world now that exists, which everybody uh, sees as this great transformation of the economy, is also affected by this. Because what's happening is um, there are many uh, firms now that have uh, employees in, in numerous states. Uh, business, uh, states are now saying, well, we can tax the income of any business if they have just one telecommuter working in our state. And it's gotten so bad that some account, accounting firms have said, 
don't locate or, or don't hire people in this state to work for you because it's going to be too much of a headache. So, so there's also a, a mobile workforce bill before Congress, which would also um, stop, essentially stop states from taxing people just because they have a telecommuter. There would have to be some better definition of physical presence beyond just a single employee. So these are some of the things. There's, there's not one piece of legislation that solves everything because you have everything from sales tax to income tax. You, have, you, need, you need different definitions and you need definitions that apply, that can, that can be used to apply for the whole, uh, the, all the states you know, with their different sizes and different kinds of economies. The, the overall cost of this in terms of inefficiency must be staggering in dollar terms, right? Well, particularly when you think of the fact, it's now estimated that there are something like um, almost 2 million businesses that sell online. Now, the, everybody sells online. Of course, all the major businesses, can you th- I can't think of many major businesses that don't sell online. Even perishable products like food, you know, they're sold online and they're shipped like overnight. So, you know, every major business and, and many, many smaller businesses, everybody just sells online because it's so easy and efficient uh, to do that. So when you think of the extra hours that some of these businesses are talking about, small businesses that testified before Congress that have spent half a million dollars on compliance costs. And for some of them, uh, <clears throat> you know, for, for instance, this one, some of them that sell everyday products that don't have a very high profit margin. So there's this one New Jersey business, I quote, where in, to reach the 200 uh, uh uh, sales threshold, in other words, 200 transactions, at which point you're subject to taxes. Um, this this one uh, retailer was saying he basically has to has to spend like two dollars and fifty cents uh, for every one dollar in transaction costs. So, so his compliance costs are more than he's actually bringing in in sales. So, it, you know, it's just it's just deadly. It just undermines his um, his profit margins completely. Uh, so you so again, you have many, many different kinds of businesses, including low margin businesses at, who, who thrive on doing many transactions at a low margin. And this is because of the those compliance costs I've talked about. This is undermining that model. Well, thanks very much, Steve. It's it's a big problem. And hopefully we can uh, get some legislative clarity on it going forward. Don't forget to check out Steve Malanga's work on the City Journal website. That's www.city-journal.org. We'll link to his author page in the description. You'll be able to find this article we've been discussing there called The Tax Nexus Cometh. You can also find uh, Steve on Twitter at C-J-S-T-E-V-E-M. You can also find City Journal on Twitter at City Journal and on Instagram at City Journal underscore MI. And as usual, if you like what you've heard on today's podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Steve Malanga, thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.